Morning, y'all. So here we are, Sunday morning. Whoop! They, uh, you know, it's funny because like when you go to a concert, they always hear that so much. People are like woo! Like usually, like as the cheering starts to die down, they're like woo! And then they'll play a song. I have totally been to concerts like that. But anyway, um, so let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you for your uh, uh, your word to us. We thank you for this place to, to gather with the saints, Lord, and to uh, have you, you minister to us as only you can. And God, what I pray this morning is that you'd prepare our hearts to receive from you that which you have. God, and that, uh, uh, that our hearts would uh, receive it in faith. God, and that these things would uh, come together exactly as you would have it uh, in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's go back over to Galatians. We were just there the other day. Ron's not here to accuse me of uh, stealing or piggybacking this time. So So, uh, we'll go to Galatians 1. Now, I, I kind of wanted to revisit what he talked about on Wednesday night about Galatians because it's such a great subject. Um, of course, we were reading in Galatians 3 the other day. And uh, I kept thinking about this, this scripture here in one. I couldn't remember where it was, so I finally went and looked it up. Um, but we were talking about you know, believing, um, you know, another gospel, because that's what he said. He's like, I, you know, who has bewitched you? And we're going to go back over there here shortly. But in Galatians one, uh, well, so close to the beginning, I might as well start at one. Uh, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you, peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. We don't talk like that anymore. Kind of a shame. I don't know, though, like uh, sometimes when you call a business, their, their greetings can be about that long and by the time... And then you're kind of confused. Did I get the right place here? I, I worked at a pizza place briefly in high school, and it was it was a mouthful to get out. But I like this because it's just such a it's just a greeting. But he, uh, you know, but he's, he's speaking peace to them. And uh, sometimes you just need that. Sometimes you just need somebody to remind you. You know, it's like you know, hey, you know. You should have you should have peace. You know, I want you to have peace because because God loves you and because because Jesus gave Himself for your sins to deliver you from this present evil world. So you've got a good thing going for you. Sometimes we need that reminder, especially because it sometimes feels so distant. Feel it feels like almost like it's so far back in antiquity, like it's almost mythical to us. You know what I mean? And 
it's like our kids are at school now learning about, they come home and they, and they start talking to you about 9-11 as if you don't know anything about it. It's like, it's like dude, I was, I was alive when that happened. So like, I, I remember that plenty well. And, uh, but to them, it's like ancient history because it happened before they were born. I was, I was having this really interesting conversation with uh, the kids on the way to church Friday night because we were talking about phones for some reason. And I was telling him about how I got my first phone because I used to work for Kevin and we didn't know when we were going to get home every day. And we spent many an evening uh, in like either by the side of the road or in a, a parking lot at an O'Reilly's just hoping he could get the uh, the old paint wagon started so we could go home. And uh, not having any phone to uh, you know contact the, the little woman sitting at home alone all by herself with nothing to do and no idea when I was coming back. Um, was tough, and uh, of course phones were kind of a new novelty sort of item back then as well. So I was telling my kids, like, you know, cell phones have really, really only been a thing for about 20 years or so, and they just stared at me. <laughs> Levi's like, so, so when you were young, they only had, like, the phones on the wall? I was like, yeah, and you couldn't take it anywhere with you. It's like... My, my first phone had a screen like this big, and it was green and black. And the only game on it was Snake. <laughs> and Jeremy's like, I remember that. I've seen those. Those are cool. <laughs> Maybe I should get him that. He wants a phone desperately. Maybe I should get him one of those. Go over to the antique store and see if I can find a Nokia. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah, and I, so, and I told him, you know, touch screens have really only been a thing for like the last ten years or so. And again, they just stared at me in disbelief. Like, what kind of world did you grow up in? It's like I grew up in a world where you could only get six feet away from the Nintendo. Oh, well. If you wanted to sit further back, you had to put the thing on the floor. But I don't even know how I got off on that. But uh, oh, because you know sometimes you know the the fact that that Jesus died for you and was raised again for your justification doesn't seem so immediate. It seems like something that happened a really long time ago, and. Uh, uh, you know, we were listening to this song on the way in today, um, and he's uh, you know, talking about um, about you know God remembering each of us, and you know that, uh, and he's talking about all these great things, all these great promises that we have from the Bible, and he says, and I know that I'm included, you know, and and we have to remember that because it's easy to feel like everybody else is included, maybe not so much me. Maybe not so much you, but it's like, well, actually, no, I, everybody else, just not me, you know. Um, but really, we have to remember, it's like the word of God does belong to us. So here in verse six, he says, "I marvel that you're so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another." So here's one of those glorious. Moments where where English totally lets us down. Um, 
because he used the word another twice there, but it's two two different words. And uh, um, you know, maybe we should invent a time machine and give the uh, guys that translated the King James like a, I don't know. Well, I would say they could use a thesaurus, but sometimes I'm thinking they probably should have stuck with translating the same word the same way over and over again. But, but you know, he says here that I marvel that you're so soon removed from him into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. This is the word heteros, which, as you might imagine, means another of a different kind. So, um, and, and there's a you can there's a really fun little study you can do in uh, uh, I believe it's in uh, First Corinthians 12 where it talks about the gifts. It says to another of this kind, and to another of this kind, another of this, another of this, another of this, and if you go through that, they're actually kind of grouped together. And it's like another of a different kind, this, and then another of the same kind has this, and another of the same kind has this, but then another of a different kind has this. And uh, so it, it's really kind of interesting. So he's talking here about another kind of gospel. So and he says, which is not another. Now this word another is the word allos, and it means another of the same kind. So... Uh, so, so he says. Basically, he's saying, I, I, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into some different type of gospel. It's not more of the same of what you believed before. And uh, he said, there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. And of course. Um, as you read through Galatians especially, you, you can really see how Paul talks about uh, these these Jews that followed him from place to place trying to undo everything that, that he was doing. And uh, he called them the, the Judaizers or something to that effect. And, uh, um, you know, but he says, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so now I say again, if any man preach any other gospel to you than that which you've received, let him be accursed. So he's pretty sure then that what he told you the first time is, as we would say nowadays, the gospel truth. And 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 so so he's saying, you know, if if you're getting this, some becomes with some sort of other gospel, you know, and then. Let him be accursed. Don't believe it. And uh, and it's it, you see this all through the New Testament, and you can see it all all through the church. Um, as you when you you've been in the church any length of time, you see, and you've probably seen it in your own life when you 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 come to God and you're so excited and you're just basking in this grace and and everything, and you're so excited about what everything that 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 God has done for you, and then uh, this this shift happens where all of a sudden now you feel like you you got to do something or you've got to keep this up. You know, I, uh, I was talking to somebody the other day about relationship and how you know relationships are really exciting at first, and there's all this you know butterflies and ooey gooeyness that you know keeps you on the phone till three in the morning. When you have to get up for work at 4:30, and, and and all that, I mean, you know, that happens. 
you know, and that's exciting and it's great. And uh, but during that time, there should be a connection formed that can outlast that part of it, of the relationship. Um, you know, Cynthia and I will have been married nearly 20 years, and it's not so exciting all the time. But uh, but it's different than that. It's better than that. It's 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 a, a connection that's more profound and that's it's more like it's more like um, a part of your of yourself rather than just this this thing that you're excited about or this, this experience that you're excited about. And so I think the same thing often happens um, as this initial excitement that we that we sometimes feel when we come to God. Uh, kind of, we we sort of become accustomed, I guess, to to being in the church, and and um, and it's just human nature to get used to whatever you have. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a little, it doesn't matter if you have a lot. It's just human nature to get accustomed to it, and um, you know, in some for some people that means they don't ever try to get anything better. For some people, it means they won't tolerate anything less than, <laughs> and. Uh, um, so it's 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 really quite interesting, you know. I've one of my kids was was complaining at how bored he was in a being one of uh, only like a handful of small children in a room full of adults, and he didn't know when we were leaving. He came to ask me several times, "When are we leaving?" And I was like, "I don't know. Probably not until the very end. We'll probably be the last people here. Check out your name tag. Your last name is Collins." And <laughs> and. Uh, and I told him, you know what? I grew up an only child, the only kid in a group of adults. And Brandon's like, I know. <laughs> you know yep, preach it. Yep. Uh, you know, being an only child is dreadfully, dreadfully boring uh, as a child. But uh, I grew up surrounded by adults talking about stuff I didn't give a darn about, but I didn't understand. And... Uh, I lived. I grew. Up, <laughs> I grew up normal, sort of, and uh, um, so you know you you can grow accustomed to all sorts of things. Uh, but uh, I think sometimes too, what happens is we we grow accustomed to that that sense of excitement, and then we get nervous when it starts to fade away or if it starts to cool off or whatever. You know, and the great thing about God is, you know, you can you can draw near to him and and just like any relationship, I mean, there are those times where you draw close to them and and it it's exciting as all heck and you're having a great time and and you're excited about the relationship and stuff. But then it's, you know, there there's every relationship has the sense of everydayness to it. And uh, I can think of fewer Good examples than having children, because it's uh, um, it kind of slows your life down, and you kind of have to um, you plan more around that. And and there's lots of lots of fun, precious moments about having little kids, but there's lots of really boring, slow days too. You know, so, but you know, God knows that that. Uh, that level of emotional excitement or that living at that kind of heightened place is not really all that good for you. And uh, and so 
So he knows that boredom is good for you too. And uh or just or if you know, maybe not boredom but just quiet. You know, and uh I, I love it. Cynthia tells a story about how uh she used to feel sorry for her parents because they would like they would drive out to this creek or whatever and the kids would all go swimming and they would want them to come swimming with them. And they're like, no, no, we're good. We're, we're, we're just going to sit here in the car. She's like, I felt so sorry for them just sitting there in the car. And then I got older and I realized that's what they wanted to do. <laughs> it's like me going to the pool. It's like, uh, I'll, just, I'll just hang out over here you know, with my clothes on. Dry. <laughs> Far away from the water. Yep. Uh, but anyway, uh, so the sense of um, another gospel is a really interesting idea because because the adversary is clever in the way that he comes at you. And of course, uh, in Matthew 4, he, he came to fight against Christ, fight against a voice that had that had confirmed his identity. And he came to fight against it, and he fought against it with all these suppositions based on the Word of God. That's like, well, if that voice is right, then you should be able to do this, shouldn't you? And uh, you know, eventually resorting to actually quoting the Scripture to him. And, uh, and of course, Jesus fought back with it. It was written. But he had this understanding um, uh, from the, the Holy Ghost of what these things were saying. And that's you, you, you've got to have that if you're going to get into those kinds of sword fights, I guess you could call them. Uh, but over here in, in Galatians 3, and I wanted to go back over here thinking about this, this um, another gospel, because he, he spends the rest of Galatians 1 and, and 2, for the most part, uh, in large part at least, talking about... Um, uh, a little bit more about these these wrestlings that he's had, uh, excuse me, with these people, and uh, a little bit about his uh, his credentials as an apostle and, and and all that kind of stuff. And of course, he wraps up uh, Galatians two, talking about being crucified with Christ and, and living the by the the faith of the Son of God, which is um, is certainly a blessing. And he says here in, in chapter three, he says, "O foolish Galatians." Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only what I learned of you. Receive you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. So that's that other gospel, isn't it? The works of the law. Because we come, this this gospel that Paul is talking about, that he brought to them, that's the gospel that, that you're going to believe, that you want to stick with, um, is is this hearing of faith and, and accepting the the merit of Christ and, and what He's done for us, and and of course this other gospel, this this gospel which is not more of the same thing, would be this works of the law. So He says, "Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh?" Nobody likes being called foolish, you know, you know, and. Uh, after, and it's a pretty strong word when you get right down to it. You know that we did that study the other week about uh, about this this word and how you know serious it, of a of a uh, 
an accusation or a slander it is to really throw at somebody to, to call them a fool. And uh, um, but but he says that it's foolishness to think that having begun in the spirit you would be made perfect by the flesh. And so um, there are so many things that in the in our walk with God where. Uh, uh, we feel like I have to do X, Y, and Z in order for God to be happy with me. And that if I don't, He's going to be unhappy. And that, that uh, uh, and yet, He uh, he gives us power to do things. And, and that's a really important thing to understand. Um, because there are... Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I am kind of have this sort of pick-and-choose mentality of... Like, well, that sounds really hard. I don't really want to do that. So that must be one of those things I don't have power to do. So, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna toss that back on on Jesus and uh, let him carry that one. Like, well, this one doesn't sound so bad. Like, I, I'll, I'll yeah, that, that must be something that I have power to do. You know? It's it's like it's like helping somebody move. You know, <laughs> it's like you you find the the young guys with the strong backs to pick up the couches and the refrigerators and stuff. And it's like I'm gonna get these boxes over here. You know, and uh, I know some people who are you know more clever than me that that they have kind of graduated to managing moving people. Uh, it's like actually I'm going to hang out in the truck and I'm going to play Tetris with all the boxes and and figure this out. For me, that's one of those things. It's like that sounds too hard. I'm going to throw that one back on Jesus. So, uh, like just you know. Point and grunt and all carry stuff, but, um, but, but no, there, there really are things that 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 God expects of us, and, and uh, uh, you know, and He does, He gives us power to obey Him because He said that if you love Me, keep My commandments, and His commandments aren't grievous. So there's plenty of stuff that He that He, he wants us to do that, that you really can do, and. Uh, and then, of course, there are those things that you can't, like be therefore perfect, which is great because then you know that you're going to have to trust Him for it. Um, you know, um, you know. In all seriousness, there's lots of things that I've encountered in life where I have no answer for that. It's like I have no idea what you would do with that. I, I have no way to fix this. I I got nothing. You know, and and to me at least that those types of things are usually fairly easy to just kind of lay back on him and and not try to fix it because I have no idea how to fix it. Um, you know, of course, if I have no idea how to do something, I will hem haw and and goof around and wait until somebody more clever tells me what to do. So maybe that's why. But um, but there's a great deal of peace that comes in. Um, taking those things that that God uh, that only God could do, and and laying them at His feet, and uh, with that sense of expectation that He's going to take care of it, that that He's going to do it, uh, and and that I can't. So that that's a great place to be. So He says, "Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain." And I know we talked about this just Wednesday, but. 
If you've ever suffered before, then the last thing you would want is for it to be in vain. You want it to be worth something. Because I've been through things where I just kept telling myself, this is going to benefit other people someday. I'm going to have answers for people that encounter this exact same thing. And it's going to make me stronger and and uh, and increase my sense of dependence on Him. So that's that's okay. This is this is not in vain. You know, when you go to the gym, you don't want to hit Dairy Queen for a shake on the way out because otherwise, all of your suffering is in vain. <laughs> it's like I just burned 300 calories, now I'm going to go have like 800. So, like, I don't think this is working. You know, when I was in high school, I, I had a job that was utterly in vain. I, I I lived in Baldwin. I worked in Lawrence. I made a cool uh, 4.75 an hour, 5.75 an hour. And, and of course, this was back when gasoline cost a dollar. But I had this like gas guzzling 1980 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. And uh, I don't know why, but it seemed like it got even worse gas mileage in, in, when it was cold out. And it was cold. And uh, I worked at this Papa John's. I don't even know if it's still over there now. But there used to be an arcade right next to it. And I was in high school. And this was before. This was when the arcade stuff that they had like was actually better than the stuff that, we, that you could have at home or in your pocket. And uh, I would go over there and spend like $10 at the arcade before I started work. And then I could get a large pizza to take home with me after work for like $3. So $13 plus the gas that I spent to get there. And I usually, I pulled about maybe 18 bucks a night because I worked like three hours. <laughs> yeah, you're all doing the math for it. Yep. So that job was in vain. As I suppose many jobs are, but no, no, clean, cleaning your house when you have little kids feels like it's in vain. <laughs> One of my favorite stories was when uh, uh, Sarah comes out of the back of the house and uh, uh, Emily and Alex are uh, have got pancake flour stuff everywhere. And they're like, "Look, Mom, it's snowing." It's like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Or the time that uh, somehow Jeremy and Alex had gotten way up on these like shelves that are like seven feet off the floor, and we're like throwing stuff off of them onto the floor. It's like we monitored them so well; it's a wonder they're alive. <laughs> yeah. So great vote of confidence to let your kids play with mine. Um, so, um, but, but really suffering things in vain, you know, there's all suffering feels vain right at that moment. And, uh, um, but I can tell you that if you, you know, you, you go through something really hard and God brings you through it, and and you have you have victory about this issue. You have understanding and wisdom about it. You will talk to somebody, and you know exactly how they feel, and you describe it to them, 
and they stare at you. Like, how did you know that? And you know what the answer is. That you're listening to them talk about how they feel and you're just bursting inside to tell them what the answer is because you know what the answer is because you have the answer and you found it the hard way. And you'd love to just give them the answer the easy way. Uh, So, you know, um, to me, I think it's really great that he puts this statement here in in this chapter talking about um, are you uh, are you justified by the spirit or by the flesh because that's something that we all wrestle with um, and from time to time it's something that uh, it's an issue that you will somewhere between here and the pearly gates you will have to have settled in your heart that it has nothing to do with me if you know if i'm if i'm obeying him that's great and i'm doing the things that he wants me to do that's great but it still doesn't make me righteous before god um, uh, there's this great book i highly recommend it called uh, make your bed and uh, change the world and uh um and it was written by this guy that used to train navy seals and uh so, you know, and the premise of the book is that, um, you know, if you start out with the very first thing of the day, making your bed, and, and you nail that, then it sets you up for success for the rest of the day. Usually I kind of get out of bed, and I literally do this. I kind of sort of throw my covers back over my side of the bed, and I stumble away from the bed and mutter, nailed it to myself. You know? <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've lost track of how many times I've done that, but... But I brought that up to say that uh, when you're a Navy SEAL, one of the things you have to do is, I mean, you have to have hospital corners. They have to be able to bounce a, a quarter off of your bed uh, after you've made it. And um, and if you they and if they can, and you know your uniform is perfect and everything, they don't say anything to you about it. They don't high five you or congratulate you. You know, they don't run across the room and give you a chest bump. It's just. Good job, you did what you're supposed to do. You know? and, and and that's that's honestly how we maybe it's a cultural thing, but that's what we expect when we right. obey God. It's like a guy doing housework. You know, we we expect like a ticker tape parade. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've ever seen Kate and Leopold, but like he makes sure that she sees him hit the button on the dishwasher. It's like he you know, like, you know, your wife comes home and you show her, see, look what I did. You see these floors, and, you know. Um, so if you're doing the things that God would have you do and you're, you know, obeying his commandments and stuff, there's no ticker tape parade for that. That's just what's expected of you. But it doesn't, and it doesn't make you righteous. Because anything less than or other than the, the blood of Christ making you righteous is an insult to what he did, uh, and and uh, uh, and he won't accept anything less than than you accepting his blood. So so he says, therefore, he that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or the hearing of faith? And that's a great one because there's nothing like. Um, God wanting you to do something or use you to do something and feeling like, well, I don't really have all my duckies in a row. Um, 
I uh not really feeling prepared for this particular thing, you know, and and, and then you feel like Moses and you you want to tell God that, you know, sh- you know, send it by the hand of whom you would send, like, you know, find somebody else that'd be really good at this. And God's like, "Well, actually, you know, I I wanted you to do it." And and really, I'm just needing you to stand there and open your mouth and and I will do the rest. And uh um and so, you know, in in our in the church, you know, we have uh, exalted the 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 ministers to this godlike status of of having all of their duckies in a row and having done everything perfect, and that's why why God does what He does in them. And it's like, well, not really, you know, because honestly, the more you recognize your need for Him, the better off you are. You know, I was just uh, just thinking, you know, this week. I was like, oh man, I got to do the song service on Sunday, and uh, Rachel's not going to be here. It's like, man, she's so enthusiastic, and it's like, man, it's going to be different doing it without her. But it's like, well, but that's okay because God's here. You know, and you know, how are you supposed to mess up singing God a song? You know, you know, even even if you can't even sing it in key, couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, it doesn't matter. Because, you know, make a joyful noise. It didn't say make a tuneful noise. So, um, so let's see. Um, and there is so much good stuff in here. I think Ron just didn't want to keep us all here till midnight on uh, Wednesday. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, yeah. Verse six: As Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. And the, ch- the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel to Abraham, saying, "In thee shall all nations be blessed." Excuse me. So then, they which are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. I love it that he says that he preached to Abraham before the gospel. So this this uh, Abraham being justified by faith and being called the friend of God, this all happened before there was a law of God to keep, before there was before Sinai, before the Ten Commandments. Um, and so he says, "For as many as are under the works of the law are under the curse." For it's written, Cursed is everyone that continues not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it's evident for the just shall live by faith. So, it's interesting how um, how God sets up this this law that if you've offended in one point, then then... That that counts for all. It's like you have to keep the whole thing. Um, I was reading in Ezekiel the other day, and uh, and he said that you know if if a righteous man sins, then all of his righteousness that he's done doesn't count for anything. And and if an unrighteous man uh, turns from his wicked ways and becomes righteous and starts acting righteous, then I'm not going to remember all of his uh, iniquity and, and foolishness. And, and then he and then he goes on to say, and Israel says that my way is not equal. And, and he says, I think your way is not equal. 
And so it's interesting how God sets this in order that if you're going to have this righteousness by the law, which you really can't, by the way, you're going to have to do all of it. So he, he's, you know, it's like playing chess with Mike. You just can't outsmart him. If you've ever tried to box with an octopus, you have an idea of what it would be like. But, but every, everywhere you turn that you think, I could do this. I, I can I could please God with my own efforts. He he's already he's already countered it. He's already got some way that's like, well, no, you really couldn't. Like and 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 it's not because I don't love you. I do. I love you too much to let you try and um, work your way to me. Because if if you coming to me and and you making it successful through this life or about your own efforts, you wouldn't make it. And, and I love you too much for that. So I have made this way for you. Um, but he says, the law is not a faith, verse 12, but the man that does them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it's written, curse is everyone that hangs on a tree. So, so he says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. I got thinking about that. I was like, what does he mean, the curse of the law? And I, I realized that that curse of the law is the the death that happens because you couldn't keep it, and 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 you know really you could probably make a case that that uh, with along with that is is the the sense that that you have to keep every last little teeny tiny bit of it and do it all right or or it counts for nothing. So of course he's 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 covered all the bases. Because he says that cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So, I could just keep going. Let's see. Uh, so, uh, just for the sake of time, I'm going to skip down a little bit here. I really wanted to touch on this. And you guys are all familiar with this. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in verse 19 he says, Wherefore then serves the law? And, uh, and he goes on. So if the law can't make us righteous, then what is the purpose of the law? And of course you all know this, but uh, it's uh, it's a great reminder to to have these things um, brought to us again and again and again. Uh, in uh, um, verse uh, 22, but the Scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. So he he already you know put you in that boat. Of of having needed him. That's what I like about how in Romans he said that all of sin comes short of the glory of God. It, you know, it's nothing like uh, being in the same boat with everybody around you, not not feeling like you're the only one. So he says, uh, before faith came, we were kept under the law and shut up unto the faith which should afterward be revealed. 
Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. So it's like Matthew 5.48, isn't it? It's this, this sense of um, bringing you to a conclusion that you need Him. Bringing you to a conclusion of your own uh, bankruptcy of ability. And, and how He has done these things for us. Um, and He says, but after that faith has come, we're no longer under the schoolmaster. And of course, that doesn't mean that we don't have to keep the law. Of course, we have to keep the, the Ten Commandments. And, and we have to obey God, of course. But when, it, when, when you are walking by faith, it becomes a, a different... You, you see it differently. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's more about just pleasing Him and, and obeying Him because you love Him. And, and when, you, when you don't know what to do, there's this voice that says, this is the way, walk ye in it. And, and so it, it's it's a different matter, but uh, like I said, I could I could uh, I could play around in there forever. It's no wonder Martin Luther wrote an entire commentary, verse by verse, on the Book of Galatians. Um, so we have an adversary, as I'm so fond of saying, that will use your earnest, honest desire to to serve God and please God against you. And uh, and he does it. One of the ways he does it is just like this: this the sense of bringing you this other gospel that that having begun in the spirit, now you must in fact uh, finish this out by the flesh. And that's what a lot of the church teaches inadvertently. You know, they they would tell you that it's like, oh, it's all by faith and everything. But when it gets right down to it, it's like, well, what happens if you mess something up? You know, there's nothing like. Having somebody mess something up and then dealing with the the fallout of it, you know, and uh, the the church is is not very good at that. And uh, um, but we have this great example because we all messed everything up, and and yet he just loved us and forgave us and 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 uh, took us and put us in his carriage and took us to the the big palace and, and made us well again. And didn't make a big deal out of uh, out of all the mistakes and stuff. He just said, "Hey, we're going to fix this. It's all right. We can fix it." Uh, so, so he's a good God, but uh, it's a uh, it's a blessing how how God has just put these things together where where we just receive these things from Him, and 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 He's the one that that really makes this stuff happen. So, Jesus, we just thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy and goodness. God, what we pray today is that you would do in your people what only you can do. That you would plant this word in us. God, that you would cause it to increase. God, that you would remind us. God, when the uh, when the enemy is is knocking at the door, God, to to bring this other gospel. God, when the when the carnal mind wants to, to fall back on this other gospel, and when our sense of well-being uh, uh, leans towards this sense of this, this gospel of having been made perfect by the flesh, uh, God, uh, I pray that You would pull us back from that ledge, God, and I pray that, that You would remind us, God, that, that You have, uh, have made this way for us, God, and that, that You have, in fact, hedged us in 
God, to protect us from doing things uh, in our own strength. God, and, and made the way plain before our feet. God, to, to rest in You and to trust in You and, and Your love and merit. And God, today we just pray that You would do in this place exactly what You want done. And that You would minister to every heart, to every need. You know what needs we have. God, before we speak them, before we're even aware of them, You know and You've already set in motion, God, the, the, the preparations for the things that we need. And God, we just pray that today that Your presence would be worshipped and glorified in this place. That You would meet with us and do as only You can. In Your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.